welcome back to Two Peas in a Podcast, where we are down to one pea, your host, Laura Morrell. A podcast where no conversation is off topic. Welcome back to this episode of Two Peas in a Podcast. This is just a trigger warning as we will be diving into Felicia's birth story. As this is a real and raw discussion about her birth story, we do want to make sure there is a trigger warning as we do talk a lot about medical interventions and medical terminology, and that can sometimes be hard to hear. So if you are someone who is sensitive to hearing medical terminology or you find hearing birth stories triggering, we highly recommend either skipping this episode or making sure you do listen with a support person. This podcast is here to have real and raw conversations, to provide education, but also to just give you insight into real and raw things happening in the world. So we hope you enjoy the realness. We hope you enjoy the rawness and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Two Peas in a Podcast, and we have a super special guest. Please welcome back Felicia, who's joining us to chat all things about her birth story. We're so excited for her to be here. So welcome back, Felicia. Thank you. It's good to be back. Um, it's been quite a few months where I have not really used my brain, so I'm happy to be here. We were just saying on um, just before, it's been nearly six months, so we're currently in five months since you've had your your mat leave so coming up I know isn't that crazy it's it's so crazy and like so Florentina's three and a half months or three and I don't even know three weeks or whatever whatever you want to say um and it's flown like it's honestly flown so I don't even know where the year's gone because I'm getting married in February and I'm like what the hell yeah, life just happens, especially when you have a baby. But uh, Because you don't have a second to yourself. Well, that's so true. And um, Felicia, she won't be returning back full time, but she will be joining us on sporadic episodes. So uh, we yes. shall keep you posted with those. But we'll dive into your birth story. But before we get into that, how are you going? How is everything? Look, it's challenging. I won't say that it's easy. I absolutely love it. I love being a mom. She's the cutest kid. I kiss her like a million times a day. And it's like, oh, you're so cool. I just want to eat little cheeks. Um, but it's freaking hard. Like, like I said, you don't really get a lot of time to yourself. And I think coming from a previous lifestyle where I could really be super selfish in my time, I could do what I wanted when I wanted. I could prioritize my training, my nutrition, my sleep, those things that are really important to us that we talk about a lot. You don't get any of them anymore. Like, I mean, you get them, but you get them really sparingly or you get them when the baby doesn't need you. So, um, you know, and I found my way around it and I am still finding my way around it, but it's good. Like, I love it. It's a challenge. Um, and I honestly, I, I, now it's funny because people are like, oh, I couldn't imagine my life without him. And it's like, no, I literally couldn't. Like Isn't I look at her every day funny? and I'm like, you're so cute. Yeah. And one little funny story is, is I went to see um, Felicia and little Florentina the other week and <laughs> we're at a cafe and I was, my goal is because when you, when you go over to see a friend's baby, right? Like they're always calm, they're always sleeping. You make sure you go at a suitable time. 
But my goal is to learn how to settle a baby and see like the real ins and outs of what a baby was like. Anyway, so Felicia Go went to to pay for the coffees and we had her dog Pinya there as well. <laughs> so I had to look after her baby and look after the dog at the same time. And I was just taking ownership that she was my baby. So these two ladies walked past and was like, what a cute baby. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and then I was like holding Pinya and I was like trying to rock um, Florentina at the same time. And then Felicia came out and I was like, I nailed that. <laughs> she wasn't even crying. She wasn't crying, but she was getting restless. Yeah. She was getting to the point where it was like, guys, we've got to go. (laughs) And that was about two minutes that you were away. And my head was like, Pina, don't run away. Florentina, don't cry. And that was a a very stressful two minutes, let me say. So Yeah, look, there, there are definitely times, you know, in almost every day where I'm just like, fuck this is so hard like just shut your eyes and go to sleep stop screaming in my face it's like you'll feel much better you'll be much nicer if you just shut your eyes um you know and they're still learning they have big emotions that they don't know what to do with yet and it's like you've got to maintain your emotions on very little sleep you know it's it's a big challenge but it's it's a blessing of a challenge like it really is like I, I love it so it's good. Beautiful. Well, we're glad to have you back for this episode. So let's dive into your birth story. So let's go back, rewind. That was my rewind sound. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To like 40 weeks where you were kind of like at the end of the pregnancy, how were you feeling? Were there signs of labor? And let's kind of kick off from there. At 40 weeks, no. Um... Honestly, those last, it's like the baby shower happened, what, mid-March? Mm. Literally after that, everything went downhill in terms of comfort, in terms of my body swelling. My friend Carpal Tunnel came. So those last, I think that was about 32 weeks or 33 weeks. So those last seven to eight weeks were a little bit of torture every single day because mm. I did have carpal tunnel in both my hands and my forearms, uh, which made it really hard. I couldn't train. I couldn't cut my own food. I couldn't grab anything. It was literally like I had arthritis in my hands. And you guys would have seen that on my social media. I like complained about it every single day. It was so uncomfortable. So that was uncomfortable. I was starting to feel really uncomfortable towards that back end anyway, because I'd put on a lot of weight. I was obviously towards the back end of my pregnancy. 40 weeks, I didn't feel any symptoms, but I will tell you about the day that it all began. And so at that back end, you're like, you're sitting on your you're on your Swiss ball. You're like trying to move those hips. You're just trying to like find some sort of comfort. And it was Mother's Day and I was so uncomfortable. Like the most discomfort I'd felt the whole pregnancy. Anyway, Marcelo and I had not got anything from my mom. So I was like, let's just go to Doncaster on a Sunday, worst thing ever, on Mother's Day, another worst thing ever. I was like, let's just go, let's buy her a gift. And we're like walking and I'm like, oh, my gosh, everything feels so heavy. Like I was literally like, I'm like, my vagina feels like it's going to fall out. Like everything feels so uncomfortable. And then I started to get like period cramps and I obviously I'd not haven't had anything um, I had a little bit of Braxton Hicks maybe once or twice and they just passed really quickly. And I was like, this heaviness is so uncomfortable. And I didn't really think twice about it. Anyway, 
I'll just pause for a second because the week during that week, I'd had a really vivid dream. And my dream was I was at my mum's house. It was our usual Tuesday dinner and my waters broke in her laundry. I don't know why. And I gave birth to a baby girl and I had no idea what we were having. Maybe so she came to your dream. Wow. Yeah. Like, so I had this and I told my mum and I was like, man, I had this weird dream. Anyway, we're at my mum's house for family lunch on Sunday. Sorry, it was family dinner on Sunday. And I was so uncomfortable. I was like sitting at the dinner table, like breathing really heavy. I was like, oh, this is not feeling good. But it was just like normal period cramps. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was like, I was like, Mars, we've got to go. I just feel so uncomfortable. I want to go sit on my Swiss ball and that, that'd be done. So we went home and I like sat on the ball. It was about 10 o'clock. I was like, I'm just going to go to bed. I just feel really, really off. By midnight, I was like, Oof. I was like, someone is turning this dial up. This is getting uncomfortable. The cramping. It was just period cramping, but it was like turning up. So I, like Marcelo's asleep and I'm like sitting like a creep at the edge of our bed on my Swiss ball, breathing through these cramps every 10 minutes. And it gets to 2 a.m. And I was like, I don't think I can do this by myself anymore. And I wake up and I was like, look, I've been tracking every 10 minutes. I'm getting those like really intense pain. So I don't know if instructions? Look, they, so without giving it away, no. Okay. But yes. No, but yes. Um, so that started at midnight with this like really intense cramping but it was actually like early labour cramping. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't an active, it's not active labour, it's just early labour stages. So there's not much going on. You're maybe one centimetre, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that 10 minutes went on all day, all morning, all day, called my midwife. They're like, look, it doesn't look like you're dilated enough. Call us when your mucus plug leaves, blah, blah, blah. We go to the next day, <laughs> every I mean, wow. every 10 minutes, Marcelo's sitting there with his timer and he's like, okay, in three, two, one, and it would come. It wow. was just the most insane. And it was like this tightness, like really intense tightness, really like deep discomfort pain, and then it would go. And at this point, did Marcelo have to take time off work for during the week with you? Yeah, so he took the whole week off. So he took the whole week off because we went, this 10 minutes went across four days. Mm-hmm. Um, so Monday, Tuesday came, my midwife came on Tuesday. She didn't come on Monday. Um, and by this point, I lost my mucus plug. So I know I know that because I had a bit of blood come through um, and then you get like a bit of discharge that follows that. So I knew that had happened. She came and she checked. Um, she did do a vaginal examination to see how dilated I was and this is like it's a bit like measuring yourself and doing skin folds one person can get x centimeters another person can get something else so while it's a measure for a lot of nurses it's not entirely accurate because it's also dependent on their finger like their um yeah finger length and size how how high up they can get it so anyway at this point she's like you're one centimeter I was like cool this has been going across two days wow we're still going every 10 minutes at one point I think it got down to like five minutes and I was like cool I must have dilated a bit more no I hadn't anyway Wednesday came across and I'm exhausted um the baby's fine the whole time so um we're checking um, the heart rate. The heart's fine. There's no distress from her. And so, well, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep pushing through this discomfort. 
my parents have come over and like <laughs> I'm just like screaming every 10 minutes like it's just it's wow. not an it's a, it's a weird process so then Wednesday came and my midwife goes look I think we need to go to just the hospital just to check it out see what's going on um I was obviously home birthing so I probably should have mentioned that I was having a home birth so everything was set up to have it at home and we just wanted to make sure so we went to the hospital on Wednesday afternoon and I just said, I just need to sleep. I've not slept for days. I'm exhausted. I'm not really eating. I'm not really drinking. So they gave me some endone, which when they give you endone, um, you have to stay at the hospital for the time frame that it is in your system. So it's four hours. One, so they can monitor you, and two, because who knows what's going to happen next. You know, I just, um, I've, I've had endone before. I actually, okay, look, I am all about health, but I'm also very curious about the body and endone. I remember trying some of Bill's when he tore his peg and I was so high off endone and I only had like half of one tablet. I had two. <laughs> Great, like blew my mind and never again would I ever have endone. And the funniest thing was like, you're like, you're going to sleep. I was like, great. I'm so excited to sleep. Is that a painkiller? So yeah, it's a painkiller. Okay. okay. It's, a, it's obviously, I mean, let's call it a safe painkiller. Yeah. But it was, it was a, it was a painkiller um so did it stop me waking up every 10 minutes to my contractions no so every wow. 10 minutes I woke up I was like drowsy I'd wake up I'd like Ooh, and then I'd go back to sleep for that time frame mm-hmm. and so at the end of the four hours they checked me and they're like great you've dilated go home you're gonna have your home birth tonight I was like sick might I add during this time Marcelo has told my mum that we're having the baby at the hospital mm-hmm. so my mum's gone over to my house and emptied the pool that I'd used the night before via buckets, one by one. Oh, you're a Yeah, emptied the pool. She's gym mats, pull, pulled all the gym mats out of my um, living room and put them back into the gym. She's moved my six-seater wooden dining table. She's moved this, the couch and put everything back in place by herself. My mum's like this little Italian lady, like, wow. When we got back... <laughs> I can testify that she's the cutest little lady. <laughs> back, Marcella was like, how the hell did she do all of this? And I was like, I don't know. Anyway, so then we get home and we have to put everything back out again because we're going to have our home birth. The doctor sent me home. The doctor is very sure I didn't that we're know having this. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you're going home. You're going to have this baby tonight. I was like, fantastic. I'm so excited. Go home. Nothing happens. Every 10 minutes, we're still contracting, but we're not getting, we're not getting anywhere. And how is Marcelo going at this point? How is he? How is his sleep? He's exhausted. He's, he's, he slept, but he's barely slept because, once again, every 10 minutes I'm moaning and I'm needing support. Um, so even in bed, I had my TENS machine on the whole time. I went through that many batteries because I was like, no, I'm not turning you off. And so when the contractions would come, I would turn the TENS machine up and then I would turn it back down just so it was a little pulsing at my back. But, like, I'm in bed contracting and just making so much noise. So it's like, yeah, he's sleeping, but no, he's not really resting. Um, so he's resting, but not fully sleeping. Um, he was, like, still on the, yeah, we're going to have this at-home baby situation. Thursday came around and I was no better. My midwife came. She checked the baby's heart rate still perfectly fine, no problem. Um, I'm obviously feeling super depleted. She checks me again and it's like the baby had moved back up. So we had decreased in dilation, which was just not what you wanted to hear at day so four. So what did it go back to? 
so it was five when I left the hospital and I went back to three. But once again, every hand is different. Yeah. So who knows? Anyway, my midwife at this point was like, look, I think it's safest that we go to the hospital just because it looks like the baby's struggling to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm at this point where my mum's like yelling at the midwife basically telling her, like, don't you dare bring my daughter back without a baby. And I was like, can you not yell at my midwife? It's not her choice. The doctor at the hospital. The Italian came out. (laughs) Yeah, she was like, I think she was just so stressed because imagine watching your daughter across four days going, like, when's this baby coming? Like, what's going on? Anyway, so we go to the hospital and everything happened really quickly. Like, we honestly had VIP treatment. I had a great experience at Fox Hill Hospital. Could not complain. Um... And they had to break my waters. At, so they broke my waters at nine o'clock and then they started me on the drip um, to try and bring on the contractions. Unfortunately, every time they turned the drip up, um, Florentina's heart rate dropped. So that became a bit of an issue um, in that they were obviously concerned about what's going on with the baby and they couldn't read her heart rate anymore through um, my stomach. So then they had to put a little pin on her head to read her heart rate, which wasn't super enjoyable but anyway that happened um at 3 p.m on the Thursday keep in mind that I started at midnight on the on the Monday I I was fatigued and exhausted and I just said to my midwife I'm like I need the drugs this is basically uh, Sunday night Sunday night yeah Yeah, because I was uncomfortable all of Sunday having period cramps and then it got yeah so then Thursday afternoon it was yeah it was 3 p.m and I was like I need the epidural like you guys got to give me something. I need to not feel something for a few hours so that I can have this baby vaginally so I can eat and drink. epidural up until this point? Yeah, and I'd said no. Okay, okay. So I've been in the hospital since 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's now 3 p.m. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> I just need, I'm like, mm, I need to sleep. I need to rest. I need to, I haven't been able to eat anything because, you know, every time it's like, oh, Mm-hmm. 10 minutes came around really quickly and it would almost gave me a little bit of anxiety um anyway epidural went in thank, thankfully the first time I had a really great anesthetist and he got it in straight away that happened by 3 30 I was like okay this feels great mm-hmm. let's eat let's drink let's wait it out and the doctor's like look by 7 p.m we'll see what's going on unfortunately 7 p.m rolled around and I was no further dilated than five centimeters but the baby was starting to get distressed. So it came, unfortunately, to that point where we had to make the decision on what do we do next. And the, that decision was that we had to have a C-section. Mm. Um, you know, and it was, you, you have to be fluid with your birth plan. I know everyone has birth plans and they're like, no, it's going to be this way. And I hope that it is that way for you. But for a lot of people, it doesn't go option A, B. It might be C and D. Um, how was your so, mindset at that point when they said, look, this is what we recommend? Like, how did you feel? Do you remember feeling anything? Or were you to the point where it was like, whatever you think? N- no, definitely not. Because I was like, no, these are still happening. Mm. Um, look, I was a bit deflated. I won't say a bit. I was very deflated, but I was also extremely exhausted. Yep. Um and had it not been for my child's heart rate dropping constantly mm-hmm. and it was just me feeling exhausted, I would have continued on to try and have a vaginal birth. Okay. So I was I was defeated in the fact that 
my baby needed me to make the decision based on them. And you're not going to lose your baby over having a C-section, if that makes sense. 100%. 100%. It was was that point. And and this was a discussion that Marcelo and I had had. It's like, at what point do we go from plan A to -hmm. plan B to plan C? You know, and yes, Caesar isn't everyone's first choice. There are people out there who love a plan Caesar. For me, it wasn't a first choice. But you you choose the option that is safest for you and your baby. Mm-hmm. And it was at a point where it was like, okay, well, the, the baby's heart rate is dropping consistently and feeling a little bit distressed. So, yeah, oh, I'm going to choose that option to get the baby out. And what's Mama Felicia doing at this point? Is she putting the pool away again? <laughs> the pool's gone. Mum's put it away already. <laughs> what a woman. Shout out to mum. <laughs> All day at the hospital, Nonna's put everything away, ready to go for when the baby gets home. Because mm-hmm. she knows we're not leaving this hospital without a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they're like, look, it could be a couple of hours before we can get you in for this Caesar. I'm like, cool, no worries. Let's get some food. Let's- oh, no, I wasn't allowed to eat. So I was like, cool, let's just wait this game out. And they come in like kids, you know, 15 minutes late. This is what I mean by VIP service. So, like, all right, great, we've got you a spot. Let's go. I'm like, <laughs> a table oh, opened up for you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Wow, okay, off we go." Um, so when I say it's an emergency, it wasn't an emergency that they had to rush me down because even though the baby's heart rate was up and down, she was stable, so she was, you know, she was fine. Um, so we go in. They pump you with so many drugs. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know. I, I I'm. I'm I know I got epidural again. I got fentanyl. I got all of this stuff. I was I was vomiting in my head. I was like, and you, you're you're literally paralyzed from your shoulders down. So you can feel them touching you, but you can't feel pain, and it's like the weirdest sensation because you know you're being cut open. Um, one thing I did ask my doctor was if we could extend um, keeping her umbilical cord connected for as long as possible because I wanted her to get as much of the blood and the vitamins and everything that comes out from there. Um, and majority of the time they say no. And, that, and she said to me, if it's safe to do so, we can leave for a maximum of one minute. Okay. So, uh, you know, it was like that compromise. It was like there's still things in your birth plan that you would like to try and have. I didn't know that. Have a vaginal. Way, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask. Um, and so during my procedure, I only lost 300 milliliters of blood, which is very little uh, which meant that she was able to keep the umbilical cord connected for that one minute before she cut it out and then moved the baby on. And obviously they can't do it for much longer. You're open mm-hmm. in surgery. So it's like you, you you run the risk of, you know, infections and all of that. And obviously no one wants an infection. Um, so, yeah, we've been cut open, all that jazz. Marcelo's there. Classic Marcelo was like, so obviously he's fully in scrubs. You have to be, you know. And he's like, can I take my mask off for a photo? And they all looked at him and were like, no, we're in surgery. You can't take your mask off. <laughs> oh, Marcel, I probably would have asked the same thing, though. He wouldn't. Anyway, because he obviously would cut the umbilical cord. I'm just, like, watching from the distance. Like, then that's the things that you kind of miss out on, but you still get to see them. It is what it is. Um, going back to when Bubs literally came out of your stomach. Do you oh, remember yeah. that moment? Like, what yeah. was that like for you? Well, I do because we didn't know the sex. So even going into the theatre, they're like, so what do you think? And I'm like, I still 100% it's a boy. Like, it's so big. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way. 
Um, it's weird. They kind of put like this funnel inside your stomach to pull the baby out. So weird. Um, and they're like, my son was like, it's a girl. I'm like, it's a girl. And I like started crying. Cause it's like, I didn't expect a girl, but now I can't imagine our life without her. Like she's just yeah. so special. Um, and I love having a little girl to dress up. Um, the first thing Marcelo, after he said it's a girl, was like, oh, my God, she's got hair. So, and that was the only thing he was like, I just hope our child has hair. And I'm like, I'm sure they're going to have hair. And it's funny because they say that when you get indigestion, it means your baby has hair. And I'm like, it must have been all that vomiting I had, but that was my sign. Instead of just getting indigestion, I got vomiting for weeks. So, yeah, I was really happy with, like, the whole procedure. My doctor was so fantastic. Um you know, I had like I couldn't complain, but holy shit balls. Mm. The pain that comes with a Caesar. Really? So this is afterwards. So this is afterwards. Baby baby was all safe. Did we're, they put on your chest first? Straight away. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. I get the, you you come in with the questions because like the story just happened. <laughs> so yeah, they basically obviously they take her out, they move her over to um I'm going to call it a tray because I have no idea. Marcelo's over there cutting the umbilical cord off. Um, they're just like cleaning her up and all that jazz. And then as soon as they've done that, they put her on my chest, mm-hmm. um, which was great. And then I said to Marcelo, take her off. I'm about to vomit. And I could feel my whole body like convulsing. And I was just vomiting because I, even though like they're stitching me up, they're still putting drugs through and it's the most disgusting feeling. It's like this cold feeling through your veins. <laughs> And was never, it the drugs you think made you yes. throw up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, one, you're obviously fasted and then you're being pumped with all of these drugs. And, I mean, some people don't vomit. Um, I had a couple of other girlfriends who have had seizures since and they had no problem. But for me, my body just rejected it. It was just like I was just spewing everywhere. Um, so I just said, like, so she was on me for maybe, I don't know, a minute and I was like, get her off. I'm like going to convulse and vomit and I'm like vomiting everywhere so they took her off Marcella was just holding her next to me but as soon as they like stitched me up um the epidural wears off in about well this one did it was kind of like I don't know 30 minutes or something like it wasn't that long um and they use an ice cube to see if you can feel it yeah so if you can start to feel all that and then once you can start to feel they have you in like this recovery room so once um I was out they put her straight back on me again because I'd stopped vomiting. So, and when she was straight on me, she was feeding um, straight away, which Amazing. was great, but not great because I didn't know what I was doing and she basically yeah. ripped my nipples off. Really? Yeah. So did, was, did anyone help you with that first feed? Is there people in there? Is it kind of like? Um, they didn't really help you. I mean, they try and like put the head on and then it's like, there, off you go. Um, thankfully, the second night, that I was in hospital so I only stayed two nights Mm -hmm. um the second night the nurse that was on she was really helpful and actually she was like look let me show you how to do this so that you're not in so much pain and I was like thank you and pretty much since then like I've had I had a few issues when we returned home but pretty much since then like my breastfeeding journey has been pretty good yeah amazing Yeah. yeah but the pain post Caesar is so uncomfortable. So this and is about 30 minutes post-surgery, starting to wear off. No, so not not so much. The drugs there, you can't feel it. It's yeah. almost um it was it was maybe like two hours later. 
okay. where we're back in our room and because we were in a public hospital um, and COVID restrictions, your partners are actually not allowed to stay. Wow. But Marcelo managed to get an exception to stay the night and thank God he did because um, Florentina had some liquid in her, like some fluid in her lungs. Mm-hmm. So she did some massive spews. She did three massive spews. And I can't imagine that if he wasn't there to turn her to her side, what I would have been able to do because I'm still oh, literally, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say paralysed. I'm not paralysed, but, like, I can't move and everything is so sore. So I was really grateful that he was there. But the next day they make you get up. So you've got a, a time frame when you have to achieve um, weeing, pooing and walking. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's to make sure that the drugs haven't constipated you and that everything's moving again, also so you don't get blood clots because okay. you are, you know, laying supine. Um, you've got a lot of fluid that's kind of trying to escape. Anyway, so I got up because my my midwife was like, let's try and have a shower. She was like, do you want some more drugs? I was like, nah, I'll be fine. And I, was like, <laughs> I walked to the shower and I literally had tears rolling down my pain. eyes because I was in so much pain. I have blood just all down my thighs because I haven't got underwear on. They just kind of put a pad on because they've cut you open and all that jazz. Yeah. Um. So it's pretty disgusting. And I'm just crying. Bleeding. Are, you, are you bleeding from your vajayjay? Correct. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like your, um. oh, my God, what's? Like your postmenopausal, postmenopausal, bleeding. That you, yeah. you bleed, so you bleed, um, kind of straight after birth. Yeah, or anywhere from four to six weeks. Everyone is so different. So I'm like bleeding. I've managed to walk to the bathroom, and I turn to the nurse. And I'm like, I need the drugs, and she's like, I can't give it to you here. You've got to go back to the bed. I was like. I'm like crying and my son was like you can do it just wash yourself I'm like I can't do it I was oh. in so much pain and like the bed's about seven steps away so yeah. you're like come on just do the seven steps and it was just like so painful anyway I managed to get there got the drugs and you know carried on with my day it probably was about two weeks of like pain and then I managed to be somewhat normal and every now and again I get like discomfort to my left side and anyone that has had a seizure you'll have one side that's more sore than the other mm-hmm. and the theory is it's because where the doctor was pulling the baby out from okay so the side that they were on mm-hmm. so yeah that's so that's really my birth story wow oh, and, and I left two days later because I was like I need to go we'll do about a um a part two about how did you transition from after hospital to getting home and being like okay wow we have this little human so I think a part two would be really insightful because again for for even someone like me who I've never really had a close girlfriend who's had a baby or a family member or a sister that's really had a baby and I've seen everything so your experience has been really eye-opening for me to know stuff that doesn't get spoken about. And I think it's really interesting. And I think we need to bring awareness to it. And this is just coming from, from a friend perspective, because as I said, when I came over to yours, it was like, I under, not even underestimated, but it was just eye opening to see how much your life has changed. And I think it makes us (laughs) with babies very differently because I was like, I get it. 
do you want me to do any housework? Like, do you want to yeah. have a nap? I'm like, right now I am learning how to calm Florentina. So if I come <laughs> over, you can do stuff and I can look after her and not be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a bit, honestly, it's such a big transition. And I mean, once again, every mum is different and every baby is different. Some mums, you know, might take, like a duck to water like and it almost they just transition really comfortably into their previous life for a lot of mums it's the biggest like upside down you're like what the hell am I doing I remember sitting in the hospital that first night and I turned to myself and I was like what the fuck do we do now like I don't even know how to look after this baby I'm like I I don't even know what I'm supposed to do like I what do you do I don't know like literally (laughs) Yeah, that's that's so tough. I definitely think a, a part two on what to do now. Maybe that can be the title of it. Well, you all know yeah. I've been keeping as, as well whenever I can get on socials. I try to keep as honest as possible to how this journey is going. And, you know, it, it's not easy, but it's rewarding and it is actually super fun. So, yeah. And- I think another thing we'll mention as well is just like, and again, from an outsider's perspective, the bond you and Marcelo have, like the way you guys work and operate as a team, I think is so beautiful. So I think part two, we'll dive into like, you know, um, how it is with a partner as well. And, you know, one day we'll do an episode with Marcelo and, you know, get his perspective of things maybe. I reckon that would be cool. What you'll hear is not much has changed in my life. No, it hasn't. (laughs) Because I do everything. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, Rick, it would be so funny to hear the differences and perspectives after the life afterwards. But this has been amazing. So thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to uh, round two where we talk about the really nitty gritties of being a mum. Yeah, we, we can't wait for that. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions for Felicia that you would like us to ask her um, about her postpartum journey or even about her birth story, please, please, please drop them through because, as we say, she is an open book and she's more than yep. happy to help and answer any questions. So Absolutely. thank you, Felicia, for joining us. And we can't thank you for our next episode. Yay. Bye, Bye everyone.